Good evening. And a special welcome to our engaged couples who spent the entire day, I kept on trying to convince them, it's not really nice outside. <laughs> spent the entire day with our pre-Cana leadership team. We led them through a day that focused not so much on the meaning of marriage, but rather allowing them the time and the space to learn more about how to encounter God in your relationships now and when you're married. And their experience actually parallels the gospel story we just heard of the transfiguration. Normally I would give you a homily about the meaning behind the symbolism of Moses and Elijah and Jesus being together and conclude with maybe offering some possible answers to a bunch of theological questions. But what if we spent our time this evening looking at the gospel and instead of focusing on the meaning and looking for answers, we just focused on the God encounter, which occurs at the end of the gospel story. For God appears in the form of a cloud which casts a shadow over them, a cloud that although it frightens them, they still enter. Have you noticed throughout the Bible how God encounters take place in a cloud that overwhelms and obscures the light? It was an unknown 14th century writer who coined the term cloud of unknowing, referring to our spiritual blindness, blindness that causes us to run into God when we least expect it, and sometimes when we really don't want it. Because darkness and unknowing and change is a bit frightening. No wonder we hear in the Bible so often, do not be afraid. The angels appear, do not be afraid. But it's these types of encounters where lives are changed. It's these God encounters that break you open and rearrange what you think you knew and what you think you wanted in order to make room for what God has in mind. So let me share with you a few stories that has nothing to do with answers, but does so with encounters. Stories like this gospel, stories like that we were told in the pre-Cana session today, which focus more on meeting than on meaning. Being divorced and now happily married for 25 years, I'm blessed to be rooted in an extended family. And within that wide canopy of the family, there's a young couple, Scott and Julie, and their two-year-old son, a two-year-old daughter, Quinn. For seven months, they've been preparing for the birth of their newborn son, Nolan. But around this past Thanksgiving, the doctors pulled them aside and told them that Nolan had an extremely rare and lethal chromosome condition called trisomy 13. They were told if he survives delivery, he will only live a couple days. So in the following weeks, prayers and blessings came flowing to the family through a virtual prayer cycle uh, cycle that uh, Julie set up on Facebook. And just about five weeks ago now, the delivery date was upon them. And then time came and Nolan came into the world. And the family gathered around and celebrated the birth of this beautiful baby boy. 
Nolan was held and loved and nursed and squeezed as his big sister played with his 12 fingers and 11 toes. And then, two days later, Nolan died. Julie posted this the next morning on Facebook. God gave us the best two days I could ever have managed. For my son Nolan opened my heart and my eyes to the beauty in this world that I now know still exists. Who would have ever known what an impact our little angel would have had? That to me is a miracle, to have had people praying for him who had never prayed before. My son, had changed, my son has changed me forever, and one day I will hold him for eternity, for I know that my God is good. All through this, Scott and Julie never asked the questions, why me? Why my son? Or worse yet, what did I ever do to deserve this? Instead, it was all about the journey in with faith into that dark cloud, only to encounter the presence and the mercy and the love of God. It was 2008 when an avid long-distance hiker, Trevor Thomas, completed a through-hike of the 2,000-mile-plus-long Appalachian Trail. It's a grueling feat for most people, but more so for Trevor. For it was three years prior to that that a rare and incurable eye disease took his eyesight away. Trevor was literally and physically thrown into darkness. His future plans erased, plunged into the cloud of unknowing, unknowing on where God was and and unsure on how he was going to exist in a world that was designed for those who see. Not knowing what to do, he encountered others who faced the same challenges. And he listened to their stories. And in time, he began to venture outward. It did not take long before he was immersed himself in the sport of long-distance hiking. And as of today, some eight years after that through-hike of the AT, Trevor's hiked more than 20,000 miles around the world. Now also an inspirational speaker, he was recently interviewed on the radio about his journey. And throughout the interview, there was no sense of him ever caring about how he went blind or why he went blind or searching for answers or blaming God about his rare condition. It was all about the encounter with other people that he's met along the way, people whose presence helped him lead him through his darkness. Like Scott and Julie, it wasn't about looking for answers, but it was about meeting and engaging others. It was about how he continues to step outside his comfort zone and continues to push boundaries and provide hope to those who are afflicted with disabilities and inspiring others to do the same. Or in other words, reassuring others that actually the unknowing and the overshadowing dark cloud before you is actually something that can be embraced. Today, Trevor will tell you that once he embraced the darkness, he appreciated things in so many different ways. For today, he still can't see what's ahead of him, 
But then again, it doesn't really matter. Lastly, back in December, Father Richard Rohr was in town for some speaking gigs. We actually had him here. And when I took him into New York City, I took him to, for his first visit to the 9-11 Memorial at the site where the Twin Towers once stood. If you've ever been there, you know there are two huge waterfalls, an acre square, that outline where the North and South Towers once stood. Water flows underneath the brown bronze plates where the 3,000 names are inscribed of those who died. And it falls down into a pool, and then it falls down into another deeper pool whose bottom you can't see. And upon looking at it all, he turned to me and said, what an incredible metaphor for God. Mercy eternally pouring into darkness and filling an empty space. Water always falls and pools up in the very lowest and dark places, just like mercy does. And mercy, that's just grace in action. So how will you spend your life? Certainly there's nothing wrong with giving up some of your favorite food, performing works of mercy, and increasing your almsgiving. But what about the shadow in your life? The one that you never want to touch or go near? The same place where the brilliant light of God is waiting for you. A place where you can experience the waterfall of God's mercy and love. So I invite you, take time and take some courage to enter into the darkness and the cloud of unknowing in your life, for it will be a place where you will find a God who will fill your cracks with grace, who will heal your wounds with mercy, and will bring light into the darkest places, a God encounter that will change your life forever.